Welcome to the Fiercely Spiritual Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Ray, and I'm delighted today to have Helen Hamilton with us. Helen is a spiritual teacher, and after struggling through her own awakening several years ago, Helen was driven by the urge to simplify awakening for all beings. Helen, I'm so pleased to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for inviting me. It's, uh, I've been looking forward to this time. Um, so I just wanted to thank you for the work you're doing, first of all, because it's just a tremendous help for me. I know I've gotten so much from your writing, from your books, from your satsangs, and I want to you know, dive into all of the things that you're teaching. But first of all, I wanted to touch on um, what it means to be awakened, because I thought I knew uh, what it meant, but I didn't really think that it was possible in this lifetime. Mm. Um, so I just want to touch on what it means to be awakened. Um, I suppose there's as many different definitions as there is beings on this planet about what it is. But for me, it is um, authenticity. If there's one word I could use that it would be being authentic to everything that you are. So uh, authentically that which is everywhere, but also completely in touch with your someoneness in any particular moment as well that that one of the things that you're really passionate about is um this idea that seems to be floating around in awakening that the the sense of a separate being is somehow a mistake or something and um for me it's it's not like that it's uh it's a sense of being someone and it is our individuality and our uniqueness that really um it brings gifts to the world you know so being authentic to that as well not being one or the other not being and trying to favor any part you know sometimes we'll feel like we're everywhere sometimes we'll feel like we're definitely someone somewhere and not running away from any part of that experience or embracing it deeper and you obviously but before you came to live this way, um, you were living a very different life. And, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, like many of us, you struggled, you had anxieties, um, you were going through what most people would probably call a normal life, um, but it's being in a state of anxiety or fear or having things constantly coming up. Um, how was that for you and what led you to? Uh, awaken it was just constant as, as early as I can remember there was just this background fear that was just always there and um, sometimes it was less noticeable um, uh, but it just there was just this feeling as as far as far back as I can remember as a very small child that it was just something very very wrong and something was going to go wrong uh, any minute now you know the sky was going to fall in on me and just kind of lived my whole life like that and uh, always experienced lack of uh, things, uh, felt desperately unworthy of any everything and um, uh, struggled with finances my entire life. And it just got to a point where I went through a very deep depression um, after my son was born and uh, I had a really relatively good outer life, you know, uh, and um, there was no real reason for it, but it just, it was like this black hole of despair that just wouldn't um, wouldn't go away. And there was this search for meaning that there must be something. I didn't know I was looking for awakening, of course, you know, it's a familiar story, I guess, but just this sense that there must be something more than this. There has to be something more than just being born, living your life, doing the best you can. And then at some point you're gone. It just didn't make any sense to me at all. It's just a deep, desperate search, really, you know, to get away from the pain I was feeling. And where did you, when you started that search, where did you go or how did you start it? Um, a friend uh, introduced me to meditation. Um, she said, you know, you, we didn't want to try this. It's quite good. It'll, you know, make you feel better. Because I wasn't looking for awakening or anything. It was just... Uh, I was drinking too much at the time and alcohol and uh, on a downward spiral, let's just say. And uh, she said, try this meditation. And I just, very first time I tried it, I had this intense, blissful 
state, which of course I thought was going to happen every time, <laughs> but sadly no. Um, and, and I just knew that was what I wanted. I didn't know what that was, but I, I had to. I had to somehow. From that point on, I was unable to continue to live without it. Somehow, um, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, that, but that was a fact. Like a first taste or a, a an advertisement of what was possible for human existence to to experience. And from that point where you first tasted that meditation, that experience of bliss. Um, how long did your journey take until you reached that point of being awakened? And I know it was a gradual process, but approximately was it uh, years or uh, months? Or... Years, probably mm. ten years. Um, and it's still deepening now. You know, there's there's a point where you can't go back. You can't ever just think of yourself as a separate being. So there is a an endpoint in a way of suffering, but there's there's always a deepening too. But it was probably ten years or or so before I you know really felt stable in that awakening. Mm. It was a quite an intense period of working through karmic patterns. I think like everyone can um, identify with things once you see what you are to any degree. Everything that doesn't agree with that comes to the surface. And I want to go into that a little bit, but first I want to talk about, um, you know, in the past when I read about awakening and um, I read about, you know, certain gurus and they'd go on um, these retreats into like caves or isolation or, you know, spent, you know, extended periods fasting. Um, Did you have to do any of that or uh, was that part of your process? It was part of the process of realizing it wasn't any of that. The awakening isn't any of that, although sometimes that helps. And and a really most of that 10 years is overcoming the belief that it can't happen for me because I have four young children at the time and the business I was running, uh, you know, and it just didn't seem possible for me to do any of those things. Uh, and it just for a long time I believed it was it wouldn't happen for me because of that. And then I thought that, you know, it's all right wanting it, but how am I going to sit around in bliss all day if I've got to do the school run and everything, you know, so I held it back that way too. All those things are great, you know, and um, helping us see, but to me, a deeply embodied awakening is going to, these days, it's going to be a lot more gradual for a lot of beings and happening just in and around and amongst their daily life and because of their daily life as well. Definitely. And, that's something you mentioned about doing, you know, the school run. And for me, it's something that I often think about. Firstly, um, will I even remember to collect my kids from school? Um, <laughs> and I know you, you don't totally zone out, um, but there's things like, um, you know, even little things, practicalities of getting out the door where it's like, come on, you have to get your shoes on, you have to get your jacket on, you know, just little things. And, uh, you know, if I'm in a state of, um, you know, awakened state of bliss, you know, am I going to be able to um, manage family life and the practicalities of it? It's a huge, um, it was a huge blockage for me. Uh, and I really, really thought that I couldn't do this until be this until they were older at first. And then it just began to, it was so gradual for me when it happened that I just realized it's, you just adjust there's times when I could sit here and close my eyes and lose all awareness of what my senses are perceiving, but something will bring me back if I need to. Something kind of just, you know, your sense of being someone separate, not actually separate, but your sense of it never disappears momentarily in deep meditation or obviously in deep sleep, but that's not a mistake and it is there for a reason. It's like the software program that runs your life that makes you know, that has the thought we're going to be late for school if we don't move now or, you know, something like that. And as as it deepens, peace and bliss and all of that become just, well, they're never normal, but they're continuous. So you do adjust to it in a way. So there's going to be a few teething troubles at first, you know, times when you're just so blissed out, you don't want to do anything. But I found that if I indulge those moments when I can, then, you know, there was this huge fear that I wouldn't be able to function. You know, I'm going to be able to remember my 
shopping list and walk around a supermarket and come out with everything that I wanted. Well, I never could never do that in the first place anyway. I always forgot something, you know, but you, it does become, as it settles in that this is what you've always been, you've always been everywhere all the time, then it's not strange or new anymore. It's It's just normal in a way, extraordinary, but also normal. And your human beingness, your your life is is there to help uh, embody it and deepen it. And um, everything that we fear about it is is seen to be false. It actually functioned better as a human being, having gotten rid of this fear and everything that was in the way of all of that. It can be a better, um, more present in my life, more able to react and respond in appropriate way. You know when I need to and it's a huge thing that um, a lot of people sort of, am I even going to care about, you know, anything afterwards, but you fall back in love with the world when you realize it's all you, you know, even the minutiae of the school run is, is not really just the school run. It's, it's uh, something very different and it's hard to put words to, but you'll probably get a sense of it. Mm. And yeah, I find um, even now, I, I work with the angels. So I always ask the angels to remind me when I need to I do stuff. Too, yeah. And yeah, like even little things, I might have something in the oven and I'll totally forget about it. And suddenly I'll just get the clarity that I need to go check it. And, um, you know, little things that I, I suppose you can just hand over um, yeah. and not have to carry them as much yourself. Because I think a lot of us, carry so much stuff yeah. and we think it's all on us to do everything and it's kind of a relief sometimes to hand that over yeah there is that higher help for sure and and today the very opposite end of the scale if I'm sitting and I'm just feeling very very blissed out and I don't want to do anything but I've got to go somewhere in an hour I'll just set an alarm on my phone just to make sure you know mm. and nine times out of ten you won't need it but you, you know it's just little tips like that so you can just relax into it or and there is so much help there, like you said, um, from ascended beings, uh, you know, angels, um, those teachers that have left their body in the past, they're all there to help us through that transitional process until it's become more normal to live that way. Mm. It's amazing what the body can do on its own when we get out of the way, <laughs> how much it can remember and what it just does effortlessly. And on that, do you find, does your body function better? Um, do you still get sick? Are you, you know, in more of a state of flow? Um, you know, do you find that you don't have to, like, um, take vitamins or I don't know, what um, what way is your well-being? I've always been blessed with quite good health anyway, um, but there's definitely more uh, vitality, um, I need less sleep now than I did, which is very surprising. Um, I've always loved loved my bed and um, don't have any trouble sleeping now at all, which is uh, very good. Um, and, and generally just a sense of excitement about life. And naturally, since this is deepening, the body just tends to want foods that are more... Um, I, I, don't, I don't pick what I want to eat or anything. I, I just wander around the supermarket sometimes. What do I fancy today? And naturally over time, the body's just choosing more and more foods that are better for it anyway. It just kind of happens unless there's th things that are not so good. Mm -hmm. um, although I still, I'm in love with chocolate, you know, that hasn't gone away. <laughs> well, chocolate's meant to be good for you as well. So, so <laughs> that's my excuse. The difference being, you know, if I, if I was to buy a huge bar of chocolate before, I'd have to eat it all now I can eat a little bit enjoy it and save the rest and that's a miracle in itself mm, you know, that's so it's, really um, interesting yeah uh, all the same things are done you, you might eat a better diet or go for a brisk walk or take some vitamins but they're out of respect for the body not out of fear of its ending you know mm. it's, a, it's a different place you're coming from and do you have anything else that changed like socially I know obviously at the moment we're not really socializing um but I know I find well I'm a total introvert anyway um and I have my core group of friends who I love to be with 
but I can only handle so much social interaction. Um, do you find, um, has your tolerance for uh, being around people decreased or increased or how does that work for you? It's definitely increased. I, I used to stay home a lot because I was avoiding people, you know, and that sounds weird, but I couldn't take the energy. I couldn't take too much interaction. I was, um, it's a family joke, you know, I'd be the one sitting on the beach while the kids are building sandcastles and I'd be reading I Am That or something, you know, and just waiting to get in the car and go home. And um, and I finally came to peace with that, actually, through the awakening process, that I'm much happier on my own. But now I could spend any amount of time around any number of beings and not feel that urge to run back home again. I enjoy being on my own, but I don't have to be out of fear now or some kind of self-protective thing. And and just wonderful little gifts it gives you, like just being able to enjoy being with my family. You know, Christmas with my family used to be an interesting um, event, you know, and, and just to be there without needing anything out of them or needing them to change is just so wonderful. And uh, my... Um, we're closer now than we've ever been, really, because I'm not demanding their change to make me happier, you know, something like that. Yeah, and I find when I'm around, like, family gatherings or large groups, um, I feel other people's emotions mm -hmm. and I feel, you know, their tensions or things that are going on. So then I kind of find myself kind of tensing up as, you know, if uh, somebody else is feeling that way. Um, and I, you know, I'm very aware of it. And I do, uh, when I catch myself, you know, relax and um, mm -hmm. allow myself to just let that go. Um, but do you find that, like, I always try to protect my energy. Do you find you don't have to do that anymore? Yeah, you used to have to, but um, it, it, for a long time, I focused on, is there really another being in front of me? Are they really separate to me? Because if I had any separateness in my energy, their their energy or their lower frequency or whatever was coming at me really seemed to impact me. And I really, after a while, I figured out it's the separation that's hurting, not the energy itself. And that the awakened state, or what for want of a better word, is is very capable of dealing with any energy that's coming at it. And eventually it will turn that around. It, it, it's very hard for anyone to be negative around you for very long. Um, and um, quite often they have no idea why they just know they feel better you know so it, it doesn't it isn't really necessary anymore to protect myself um, but that is a result of it definitely was before but it was a result of feeling separate I think it's this yeah. idea that I'm here only and there's everything outside of me that's affecting me and everyone you know and I think a lot of beings on the pathway are very sensitive to energies and it can be a big issue for a while. Yeah. And I've always believed that we're all part of the one and that in truth, we don't need to protect our energy because we're all part of the same source. Um, but if there's a belief that there's something to fear, then if that's truly believed, then there might be a need to protect your energy. Um, and if it seems that because you've let go of the fear that needs for protection has been let go would that be right yeah and, and the, t the type of beings that you tend to attract as well are different um in, in energy anyway as you're not fearing you tend to attract beings that agree with your peace and joy and um you were talking about angels before and um you know, for a long time, I, I felt protected by them and helped by them. Um, and it to kind of help my energy when I couldn't do it myself, you know, so to speak. Um, and that just, I think that tends to fall away is you don't need that so much because you're much more, um, the, the beings that would rather do you harm or don't have your best interests at heart, let's just say, just find it very hard to be around you as you're unconditionally loving of yourself, it's, it's got to draw people to you that want to agree with that mm. and, and also empower you to just step away from those that don't, um, doesn't serve you to be around. And 
Working with the angels, um, I often feel that they have an important role to play in this awakening process. Um, I know I certainly started out um, doing Reiki healing. It felt very drawn to working with the angels. And as I progress along this path, I realized that it was all leading me to the awakening, even though I didn't know that's where yeah. I was going. Um, I thought it was just this spiritual journey where I was having fun working with angels and guides. Um, what's your thoughts on that? That's just something that really, really drew me to you when I when I saw some of your um, uh, videos on YouTube. Uh, the fact that you that there's almost this taboo about speaking about angels or anything in duality in in spiritual in awakening. You know that, like we were saying before, it's it's one of the things I'm very passionate about that we can include all that. A, a real deep awakening should include a sense of duality and. Um, before I get too much on my soapbox, but it, um, it's that there are those beings there that are there to help us, definitely. And uh, they've always been around us. Perhaps we're just more able to sense it as we deepen on the path and that the self as a human being is always working towards wanting more self-awareness, more recognition. And we're doing that wherever we're at, at whatever capacity we're able to guided by beings in a physical body and those without a physical body that you know there to help and facilitate that process and I went through I was uh, doing uh, Reiki for a while as well and fell in love with all of that and just um, some deep it just there was always a surge for more that just kind of as I'm sure you can identify with want to go deeper 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 all the time and eventually you realize this is where it's been heading uh, but it's not clear at the time is you, you just take the next step don't you that you're shown and um, I love in your book dissolving the ego um, you talk about uh, the process and what you went through and I love how clear you made it because often you read books that are so um, you know esoteric there's not really any practical steps mm. and I love reading those books because there's some part that resonates with me, but at some level, I like to have, you know, more practical <laughs> steps that you can take. And I really loved how you addressed the things that would come up, because when you were talking about the fears that could come up, it was like, you know, you were reading my mind and it was just like, it was, it was such a reassurance to know that I'm not going through this alone and yeah. that you've been there, you've walked that path and you've come out the other side. And in a recent satsang, you were talking about um, how um, this process of self-inquiry, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, how maybe you've just done it. You've just asked these questions um, more times and mm -hmm. you've just stayed with that. Um, so maybe we'll touch on some of your core teachings and just explain a bit about the process that you teach. Yeah, it's, um, it, to me, just it saves time. There's, there was a lot of time wasted for me on the pathway uh, dealing with these fears, some of which we've already touched upon, but, you know, will I be able to, will I still be myself um, afterwards? Will I be able to, you know, run my business? Will I still, um, be able to uh, look after my children will I even want to will I care even you know and uh, we, we all experience those fears in different ways but just to and for one thing that frustrated me along the pathway was that there, there wasn't for me I didn't really find anything that said these this is what's going to come up you know this uh, feeling or, or even this fear that I might drop my body when I wake up you know there's very sort of popular uh, idea in awakening that as soon as you see what you are you'll just let go of the body or something oh, I can't do that I've got four young kids you know uh, so I think it just saves time to to bring us to the surface and it helps jump that gap then that the, the teacher or the person that's leading the satsang isn't hasn't done anything that everybody else can't do they, they've just um, a little bit further ahead in this lifetime in that process that's all and then 
he doesn't have this uh they, they've done something that i can't do and we put them up on a pedestal or something you know and if every teacher is teaching from their own experience and sometimes it's um because they've gone through those things they can help people do it too and just the fact that you have come through it and gone come out the other side is inspirational like you were saying and it just helps people get past the idea that it's not going to happen for them totally because as i said at the start i i knew that it was possible but i didn't truly believe that it was possible yeah. in this lifetime yeah. and i thought that it was something that um would happen you know at some point um in various you know extended lifetimes yeah. but I think because you are a mother and um you know you're you've been on this path of awakening you've experienced all the anxieties and the fears that everybody else goes through and yet you've still come to this point where you've come out the other side so to speak and I know there's always deeper levels of um you know unfolding but it just it gives well me certainly um this light to look at to see okay well if it's possible for Helen then of course it's possible for me as well and that things that I thought were impossible suddenly are kind of opening up yeah. and I'm realizing okay well I can you know follow the same path and um, one thing you mentioned was that um as you, you, and I certainly experienced this, you want to be in that state of bliss and being in that kind of um, wanting to just sit and meditate all day and, you know, having um, the practical things of life to attend to. And I think I've kind of come through that a little bit where I can just stop in the middle of doing something and close my eyes for a second and just give in to the bliss mm. and then keep going about what I'm doing. Um, but there's there's often that magnetic almost pull just to be in that state and just to close my eyes um, and let go of the world and just give into it. Um, but I always thought I had to sit in meditation to give into it. Um, but from what I'm reading and seeing, it's possible to walk around in that state. Yeah, and, and for me that was um, a huge thing because I felt so good in, in meditation more and more and more and my life was improved, beginning to improve as my awakening deepened that this, it became very painful to not be in that state and everything else began to feel um, mundane or, or unwanted even and, and I realised eventually after a lot of suffering that that was a good desire, that that was... The desire was arising inside to, I want to feel this way all the time, whether I'm in the middle of the supermarket on a Saturday afternoon and it's jam-packed on Christmas Eve or whether I'm sat alone in meditation or whether I'm um, surrounded by 100 people or in a busy airport, I want to feel that same way. And, and that that is not a, um, that that's the awakened state deepening, isn't it? I want this to be so effortless and continuous that it's just there all the time and that's a good desire and it once I learned to to celebrate that that it wasn't um possible for me or somehow I was unable to accept anything else at that point and that that's a good thing that's the maturity of the awakening deepening mm. I think for me it brought up frustration that I couldn't hold it yes that I couldn't hold on to it oh, and... I remember that yeah <laughs> very painful time because you, you want it more than anything and yet you feel at that point that there's other things that take you out of it you've got to do certain things in your life and it, it can be an extraordinarily painful place to be even the other day I was bringing my dog for a walk and as I was walking I was in this state of just um bliss and then my dog picked up something and she started chewing it on the ground I was like oh no and I was like oh I've lost it <laughs> It's just, you know, and I can laugh at it, um, but it's like, it's like this dance almost between um, being in that state and kind of uh, the going other another way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I realized that 
it's and if it did happen in one fell swoop I probably wouldn't know what to do with myself um but I think that's kind of a gift as well that we do um gradually come into that state um which is you know as you say ever deepening I think the fun of it is it doesn't feel fun at first but the 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 fun of it afterwards is a realization that gradual is better in our western modern lifestyle with jobs and school runs and families and you know marriages and all of that um it is very hard to have a ramana mahashi moment where you just can't really function for three years afterwards you know no, nobody is really going to be able to do that so it tends to happen in a much more gradual way and looking back i don't think i really would have wanted that sudden as much as i thought i did you know i'm ready i'm really praying for this big moment where the angels are saying right great you're there now it, it just wasn't like that and the gradual nature of it was much more easy to adjust to and still still get up and go to work or do what I needed to do what I've found as well to be really helpful is the questions um in your self-inquiry because I've done you know the meditation part and um, working, you know, the energy work and all the other things and self-inquiry to a certain extent. But I found your questions, particularly reading your book. And when I read, um, you have three specific questions. Um, and one of them is, can the seer be seen? And it was just like this bliss came over me just asking that question. It's, you know, and my mind didn't know what to do with it. It, you know, it just couldn't get around it. So um, I find asking those questions has been really, really helpful um, in that process of, um, you know, contemplation and particularly when fears come up mm-hmm. um, being able to do something with them. Because in the past, I worked with you know, gratitude processes and different things. And I worked with feeling the emotions and being with them and everything kind of, it had an impact, but it didn't have the same impact as that self-inquiry, those really direct questions. Yeah, same for me. It's, uh, you know, three years later, I'm still being authentic with my fear and it's like, how much of this stuff is there? You know, when is it going to stop happening? And then I realized there must be something that was still perpetuating it. And that's um, where my love of self-inquiry came from. I didn't get self-inquiry at first. It was a very weird intellectual process, I thought, you know, and uh, but I fell in love with, I realized it was the openness of asking a question that immediately takes you out of the belief that you're experiencing. You can't be believing a thought and asking if it's true at the same time or asking what you are. You can't be believing you're a separate being or you're not good enough for whatever it is that we're agreeing with without realizing. And just the simple thing of asking a question and the openness that that brings, immediately you feel different, even just even if it's only just more relaxed in the body, but that effect then accumulates to a very deep peace and sometimes bliss, as you said, and, um, it, more, everything really that I'm talking about is about that openness, that curiosity, just wanting to actually see what we are rather than assuming. It's it's very it's so painful to assume things about ourselves. Mm. And it's so ingrained in our psyche to think that we're an individual in a separate body um, and that everything is separate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, partly the breaking down of that concept that we are separate beings um, because that's all we've known really um, for most of our lives. Um, Just that ingrained belief that we are separate and coming to know ourselves as one with everything. Yeah and and then if we think we're separate we we think about ourselves which makes us feel more separate and then we think about other beings that seem to be other separate to us and that makes them seem even more separate so the whole thing just perpetuates that's why it goes on for so long the simple question is going to begin to undo that you know just to see that there's a much faster direct way to come out of that it becomes a habit eventually it feels so nice to be in that open 
questioning. Yeah. That that becomes a kind of a, a constant meditation in a way, an openness that becomes constant and then much more effortless. And I find it's something that I can lean on. Um, even a while ago, I was experiencing like I can't even remember what it was I was suffering with something mm -hmm. and um I was going to sleep and I was just talking to my angels I was just like you know just help me with this just help me to see what's going on here and as I was lying there the question popped into my head where is the one who is suffering mm -hmm. and when I went looking for the one who was suffering of course I couldn't find that one who was suffering and that brought so much relief and for me that question isn't probably something that I would have come up with in that moment because I was with the suffering I was <laughs> identified with it um, but when I kind of asked for help and let go a little bit it opened the door for that question to come in which brought tremendous relief mm. um, so I think that as you say, when we start to question it and we start to realize, okay, I can't be in both places at once. Um, it just, it, it really does cut through um, all the, you know, stuff that we think we are and that we've believed ourselves to be. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, um, I'd read so many scriptures and teachings and listen to so many teachers say things like, you know, stay as the self or just be the awareness and, when, when some big fear or some deep pain is coming up, it's like, how, how do I actually do that? How do I stay open to, to what's real? Uh, and I found the question was the quickest way to kind of take me back into that place. And at the same time, we're also open for any help that's available. You know, if you're asking a question, you, your being is kind of open and hasn't got these self-imposed shapes that we're making based on the belief we're believing. And we can get these answers and guidance and um there's so much of it as i'm sure you're well aware that this you know we're never alone there's always help available but if we're stuck in some assumption we kind of closed off to that just to a large extent mm. i find as i go through this it's kind of like an acceleration of the fears that are coming up because it's like as i work through them it's like oh let's get all of them out <laughs> yeah. it's like let's just rid everything that's coming up so okay you want to live like this here's everything that's in the way of that you know yeah. to sort through yeah yeah and um sometimes I'm like oh I just want a break but um and I know we can ask for that as well but at the same time and I always say to um you know clients it's better to have it out than to keep it in um but yeah it's like the fears that are coming up and some of them are like they're not even big things but they're like creating this reaction mm -hmm. um, which is obviously something I've been holding on to and I'm able to observe it most of the time but then there'll be something that'll come up that like sucks me in and it'll it'll take me by surprise and then I realize oh okay I need to just begin the process of stepping back a little bit and asking yeah. the questions um so yeah it's as much as I'm able to be the observer or the witness and I'm very aware um there's that element which kind of sucks me in sometimes um so did you go through that how did you find oh, yes. yeah <laughs> yeah it's um and a part of the process of unconditional love was to recognize that 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 must have happened to every awakened being you know and the, the difference being now if some thought came up that was immediately identified with and produced a big negative emotion in me and i was lost in this very contracted state for an hour or something when it finished it would just be oh that happened there would be no analysis of why it happened and what it means and that I'm failing and it wouldn't be used as evidence that I'm not good enough to wake up, you know, and all that stuff. For a while, there are certain things that suck us in, you know, that just, they're like fly, you know, fly paper and uh, we just are straight in there. And it's um, unrealistic to say that that's not going to happen. 
if we can just kind of accept that, that's just showing us where uh, we need perhaps more questioning, where we've got some real conviction behind this assumption because we've been experiencing it. Once we come to see, though, that I'm experiencing, for example, not being good enough because I've so strongly agreed with it, that, and then we can begin to break the cycle. Is that true, actually? You know, rather than just assuming um, this event or this person or this thing is is agreeing with the fact I'm not good enough. Let me actually find out. I'm not just only going to use my experience to verify and validate that belief. I'm going to start to question. And um, we, we have to experience these things in our life to show us that we still, we wouldn't know they're in there unless they popped up. And it never feels pleasant, does it? But it's... Um, if you can just kind of accept that every human being has been along the same process, getting lost in identification, and as long as gradually, day by day, you're coming out of that, then your awakening is deepening. And mm. it doesn't mean anything if you get lost in this very contracted state for a while. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that's what is. You know, that's how the self would kind of see it. Mm. And I think it takes great courage to be with those fears um and i think about you know you talking about the process and you mentioned at one stage that um even though the fear was coming up um you were able to be still in that centered state and you know kind of looking at the fears without really getting sucked in would that be right yeah i, I had um astonishing realization at one point that I'd never really experienced fear that I've always I know it sounds strange because I've begun this session saying it'd been there my entire life but I'd never just felt it ever it's always with these ideas that it would be horrible that it would last for a very long time that it would overwhelm me uh, and that it was a thing to be avoided at all costs and I remember one day just I was sitting out the back of my house with a cup of tea and I just sat with this fear and I didn't try to defend myself against it with some openness that hadn't been possible before like what is it actually like when you just feel it to whatever extent you can in that moment and there was this peace that was still present even though my, my body was shaking because it was so strong my heart was pounding you know my palms were um, sweating and you know all the usual uh, stuff that goes on strongest fear I'd ever felt but there was this bliss too and peace and I didn't even think that was possible to feel those things at the same time but just because and, and I really got in that moment that it's it's not the fear itself because it's just an energy yes it can be intense it's a frequency and energy running through the body but the intensity is not what I don't like I was experiencing my thoughts about this fear and if I stop that, which I can step out of that in a moment with a with a question, well, what, what actually is this? That it was really just a set of intense sensations running through the body when I wasn't resisting them. It, it was a very different experience. It, it changed everything for me. And I find when I allow myself to feel even a range of emotions like sadness or mm -hmm. uh, fear, um, it kind of runs up through my body and sometimes it'll get stuck in my throat because my throat is a place where um I would have held kind of energy yeah. and I'll feel like a lump in my throat but if I am conscious enough to relax enough to actually feel it it'll just dissipate and flow through me and I think what happens is for most of us the deepest suffering is the resistance to feeling the fear or the sadness or whatever it is that is there that wants to be felt yeah, because we're so used to feeling these things as a separate being and we don't often realize the capacity that the self has to uh, be with anything at all even deep pain grief sadness things from previous lifetimes that are still being carried you know that um despair anything that we need to feel can can be felt and it works its way back up through the chakra system back into peace if we'll allow it to uh, if we can in that moment or to whatever extent we're able to there's no failure in that um, but just to realize that the self can inherently do that is revolutionary 
Um, but just just being conscious in that moment if we can. So do you still feel a full range of emotions? It's not that you're just in a constant state of bliss, but they're just flowing through you. Would that be right? Um, it's not so often uh, that I feel anything negative these days. Um, when I do, it tends to last for a couple of minutes. So for that, like the other day, I was just found myself a little irritated um, about something. And it was about 10 seconds of sadness uh, last week. Just as a kind of a feeling of something that needed to come up and it's just allowed. Uh, and sometimes it's barely noticeable because of the peace and the, you know, see, you can't even resist it as the self if you wanted to. And why would you? Because it's something else to, something else to embrace. It's another way I'm showing up in this moment. It's not given the labels that we would as a separate being, you know, don't, we really don't want to feel sadness or grief or something like that as a as a separate being, but it's just uh, it will pass as quickly that that transmuting process we we're talking about as quickly as you're open to allow it to to do that, and that can happen in seconds mm. sometimes before you even notice it's happening, or just sometimes you're walking around the supermarket and oh, there's some frustration or something, and but it's it's less and less often. Um, but that's a direct result of being in a place where you don't resist it. And do you, is your mind quite still? Do you have a lot of thoughts or would you find that um, your mind is devoid of thoughts most of the time? Most of the time it's quiet. Um, every now and again, there'll be something, I think as the self wants to kind of go deeper, there might be some, uh, corresponding thoughts around that it tends to rest for a certain while in a place where it's seen something seen itself even clearer and then it will want to go deeper but most of the time it's just quiet mm -hmm. um which was another fear of mine actually uh before our awakening deepened like is it even possible to live with a quiet mind can we function like that you know and it's um entirely possible and, and then you're able to use your mind. It's not, um, it's not that you lose that faculty. It's just it's more of a choice. Um, and then if you need to think about something or plan something, you can do that, and then it goes back into silence afterwards mm. as a default setting. Because I think a fear that was coming up for me is that I'll lose my personality as you know my mm. if my thinking mind is gone where will I be where like will I have a personality yeah. it's exactly the opposite for me actually um I feel more at home in my life in my body in my relationships than I've ever been I feel finally able to experience my life in the fullness of it and at every point before awakening I was avoiding life desperately avoiding life and without those fears and sort of limiting beliefs holding you back you find that all the gifts that you've come to give in this lifetime come to the surface even clearer and they kind of have to express themselves uh, we, we might have been in touch with those before awakening to whatever degree uh, our creativity our self-expression in whichever way that's going to happen for us but you you know you don't lose you've always been that which is everywhere and you're also appearing as someone somewhere so you it's just a recognition of this is what I've always been so why would anything change in that way why would I lose anything in that in fact it's a it's like um releasing all these things that have held you back now you can finally manifest that destiny that you came to um in, in a very powerful way and it always happens to be in a way that serves other beings somehow, whether it's through our art or writing or setting up a business that's a more efficient way to do something than anyone else has. It's going to express itself in a unique way in your and as your humanity. It's uh, it's you've always been this. So why would anything change just upon recognizing that? Why would you lose anything? I know it's a huge thing that held me back as well. Mm. And do you find your life is more filled with synchronicities and divine timing and things yeah. flow much easier for you now? Absolutely. It's just pretty constant now. And um, it's not that you get used to these miracles, but there's sometimes 
um, there's it, it a realization that that's the natural state of a human being where everything flows step by step and that it's been our beliefs that have been uh, mainly the belief in being a separate being that's been inhibiting that, that the natural state is one of abundance of everything that we want um, from an inner place first, you know, all, of, all the ways we've wanted to feel as we were talking about and then that begins to reflect as, as your life experiences and beings coming into your life um, that agree with your deep self-respect and self-love and all of that and it's there's a natural flow that just gets better every day every day is better than the previous one and do you still have desires are there still things that you want to bring about or to be or do or have or is it just that you're in a constant state of peace both really there's um I think part of the desire is a huge topic that's, again, it's very taboo. It's almost like, and, and in and as the self, the formlessness, there's no desire there. There's nothing to desire and everything's perfect, but you're also appearing as a human being, experiencing a human life. And that is run by desire. You know, there's a desire, um, you know, it, it would be nice if this thing could happen, you know, so desires will pop up, but they're, very loosely held and um, there's no doubt that they will show up but there's not a tight trying to make it happen and there's a realization that the, the, the desire that I'm feeling for this experience or whatever it is that I want even for awakening itself is there because it's already happening the desire is just the way my body feels that this is already in a process of manifestation which is opposite to what we're taught, that if I don't really hold on to this desire, it's not going to show up, that the desire is the cause of this thing showing up. And it's really a symptom of the fact it's already in, um, so you can play with desire and preference and things like that in, uh, you know, in that awakened state, and it's not uh, excluding anything like that at all. It's really interesting. So if the desire is something that's already um, in play, then uh, we, we do such a good job of holding ourselves apart from that. Um, and is that purely through fear, through believing, you know, in deserving us, not deserving, or um, is that what holds us apart? Yeah, you are the infinite self that creates the universe and sustains it. You have infinite power in any moment. And most of us use that infinite power unknowingly to continue to experience the same old idea. You know, naturally awakening is trying to happen all the time spontaneously. The truth is, is trying to rush through uh, the state of separation. But if I deeply hold on to I'm not worthy or ready for it, or it's not going to happen for me, then I literally keep creating the same experience over and over. And um, we can do that for a whole lifetime or many lifetimes till we realize I'm always experiencing my thoughts about reality and myself rather than reality. And when I, when I recognize that, I can step back from doing it more and more. And then naturally the awakened state reasserts itself, just like if you open the curtains, the light comes in, there's no making it happen it's just a spontaneous thing you remove the curtains the light comes in mm. it's not a question of deserving or not mm. but we can really feel that we don't deserve it if we've experienced a lot of not getting it and I think as a separate being we're so used to not getting what we want and even feeling that wanting something is painful and especially awakening because we want it more than anything that we, we just don't even dare to really want in a powerful way anymore. Mm. I find my mind sometimes plays games where there'll be like a desire that comes up and then another part of me will say, well, I shouldn't have to desire anything because I am everything. So, and when I, like, it's funny when I talk about it, but <laughs> like this like kind of interaction goes on where um, I'll, you know, think of something and then I'll be like well do I really need that because I already have everything and um you know I think it's just 
obviously the ego just playing these like games and tricks and it's trying to um just take that step back and realize that it's okay to desire things um and to let them come in yeah because ego or mind um it works in this either or, you know, am I the self that doesn't need or want anything or am I a human being that has a lot of things on my <laughs> list, you know, and I really relaxed into that eventually that I'm always, even the word both suggests too, but you're also appearing, you're everywhere all the time, but you're appearing as this human being that wants whatever you want and that that is just as much being the self as anything. And that's the authenticity I was talking about before, you know, you know it'd be, It'd be nice to travel more with the pandemic coming to an end. It would be nice to be able to all sit together in a room again. It would be nice, you know, all these desires are going to arise. And for me, there was a real upsurge of desire after kind of started to move beyond uh, this questioning had become continuous. And there was a sudden realization I can have what I want to experience. Uh, And why shouldn't we? If life is, if we are everywhere, then our life is, and every other being is also us, then our life should be an expression of joy and peace as a reflection of what we've seen ourselves to be. And abundance is the natural state when there's no thoughts in the, in the way of that. Mm. And maybe that's our um, gift to the world is to live an abundant life as best we can in whatever way we can to um, show others that it's possible. And um, I think as well, we often hear about um, people who are awakened who, um, well, especially in the past, who have renounced, you know, things and uh, physical uh, objects and living a very simple life. And um, for me, I've always believed that we it's possible and it's our natural state to thrive in every area of our lives yeah. um, not just one or the other to have you know, all areas um, to be abundant and thriving and joyful. And I do believe that that is why we're here to experience it all in the fullness of being, you know, the self um, or the universe or source or whatever you call it. Um, But yeah, it's like a part of me sometimes thinks, well, um, you know, if Others have said, you know, and I know there's so many teachings where it's saying about um, desire isn't a good thing and not to have desires. But I do believe that, well, where does the desire come from in the first place? And as you say, it's because it's already in place. It's the self, isn't it? Wanting more. And where would we be without the desire to awaken? We'd still be separate beings or believing we are. It all runs on desire. And if we can just relax about that a bit more. And um, we, I, I really feel that we are here to set a new paradigm. We're waking up in um, the time in human history where it's more accepted than ever to, to want to wake up and that we might not have to, although some beings have in the past seclude themselves from the rest of the world upon realizing the self. Um, for me, there's been the opposite. There was a little bit as it settled in where I just wanted to be with myself. But then there was this real strong urge to move back into the world and to experience it. Um, what's it like to have Christmas dinner with my family, knowing what we all are? You know, what's that like? What's it like to go and spend time with this friend and walk around the park knowing what I am? You know, what self wants to engage in those things. I think there's a new paradigm coming there. What's it like to run a business or to be a doctor or whatever we're doing from a clear recognition of what we really are? And I have read your book, Dissolving the Ego, which I mentioned was tremendously helpful. Um, Where do you recommend people start? Because you've a number of books um, that you've written if they want to follow this path. Uh, Dissolving the Ego is is probably the one to start with. Um, it's a general introduction and in a very practical way that's what I really wanted from the book was some deeply practical um, how, how do I recognize the self you know that same old question and the the core teachings on uh, which I think you've already referred to on my YouTube channel 
self-inquiry, contemplation and meditation um, to, to really get a, a core foundation of that. Yeah, they were so helpful. Um, and you have satsangs as well that you do, is it bi-weekly? Uh, it's alternating Mondays and Thursdays. So it'll be Monday one week, Thursday, Monday morning, uh, one week, Thursday evening, the week after to accommodate different time zones. So, And I, as I said, I want to thank you again. You have had such an influence in my life and your work continues to um so thank you for all that you do and um yeah i hope people who are interested in following this path discover your books and your work and um you know enjoy this process of unfolding thank, thank you. you it's um been enormously joyful to have this conversation i love these kind of conscious conversations so thank you very much for having me thank you